Hello and welcome to Parently, where we tap into the unique experiences and perspectives of parents to celebrate the joys and honor the challenges of child rearing. With new interviews each week, this is a podcast for moms and dads seeking an empowering community and a little levity. Now here's your host, Kelsey Higgins. Hello and welcome to Parently. I know very little about today's topic and I am looking forward to the conversation. I met Kim Delarosa Alex through a mutual friend who thought she would make a great guest to speak with about homeschooling. So welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. I hope I can do justice of the topic, but I guess we'll see, huh? <laughs> I am sure I I don't I will get into this, but I don't think I could find a more qualified homeschooling parent out there. You have quite to the track record, so we'll uh we'll dive into that, but I I very much think that you will do the topic justice and much more. Let's just start with a little about you. Where did you grow up? Sure. So I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I decided to go to college to learn how to freeze, basically, up in Minnesota, where I met my husband um, in college, and I fell in love with a Midwesterner who I realized pretty early on was not going to get along well with Southern humidity. So we started our life in the Twin Cities in Minnesota, where we got married, um, and we are super blessed with seven living children plus one more via miscarriage. Seven kiddos. We had them in nine years. So we basically have our own little volleyball team plus a couple of subs. What what are <laughs> the kind of reactions you get to that? Um, I would say a lot of people just kind of like put their jaw straight down to the ground when they see <laughs> our little tribe of kids jumping out of our 12 passenger van. People for the long <laughs> Right? You drive. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah, we still have a couple extra seats. And who knows if they'll get filled with pets or people. Well, we're, you know, the jury's still out. But, Holy smoke. But yeah, we are just such a joy-filled family. I mean, yeah, we definitely have our moments where it's not super joy-filled at times, especially around bedtime sometimes. But all together, I would say we definitely just have this beautiful joy and charism and gift of wanting to be happy and to share what our large family looks like. What are the ages? Okay, so get ready. This is like the season where everyone changes their ages. So right now I have a 12-year-old, an 11-year-old, a 9-year-old, soon to be 10, an 8-year-old, a 7-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 3-year-old. Oh my goodness, what a gamut. Yeah. Do you have... When I, I ask a lot of parents this because I'm kind of like a new parent and I'm really curious, but they all tell me the same thing. So I'm going to ask you, Oh man, do you have a favorite age? I have an age that I don't like the most. Does that count? Oh, oh do tell. <laughs> um, okay. So I have found between the ages of three to five to be really difficult because they always call it the two-year-old, you know, um, temper tantrums and stuff. But I would say at age three, I call them my three-nagers because I get mm. to see their little personalities and sassiness really reflect mm -hmm. out. And I can 
appreciate it because I'm a sassy person, but (laughs) that also means that I feel like I'm seeing what my child will be like miniature form of a teenager, just, you know, a decade early. So I would say those are the ages that are toughest for me. Well, I appreciate you gave me more detail. Most of the time parents will say, oh, every age has its blessings. You know, they're all different and they're all equally amazing. So I appreciate you getting real with me. I don't like potty training personally. Oh. Uh, yeah. While I am a great mom briber of M&Ms and treats and snacks to get them to go potty, <laughs> it's just not my, it, it is not my cup of tea. I feel like this is just not something that I deal very well with is the potty training um, stages. I got to think it's difficult with the more, the more kids you have running around, the more, because, because isn't potty training like one-on-one attention? Yeah, I think that's part of it, but I didn't like it even when I only had like two running around. I just found that it was not something that I enjoyed sitting in a bathroom or in the kitchen or wherever it was that we attempted and tried. It was just not my cup of tea. And it's probably because I am a very active person who likes to be going and doing things. So to sit down for a long period of time and then cheer for the little tiny tinkle just wasn't, <laughs> wasn't for me. <laughs> but my husband is great at that. So like we are a dynamic duo for sure. Oh, he can perfect. train them within like four days. So a long weekend. Wow. Basically. Yeah. Wow. Way to go, dad. That's right? awesome. We'll have, to, we'll have to have him teach, uh, teach us his ways. <laughs> After hearing your kids' ages, my first question is, do you start homeschooling at the same age as a uh, you would go to a public or a private school? Um, for our family, we did start with preschool. Yes. So my 12-year-old start when we did like a 3K slash 4K program with her at home. And a really, a large part of pre-K, I would say, is that play development learning. So it was incorporating colors and letters and sounds and things, which you can do with a program or you can just do one-on-one with a kiddo at home, depending on what your, uh, what your feelings are and what you want mm. to accomplish in a preschool program. So for us, we did start in preschool, but we have great friends who started in like fifth and sixth grade. So it's not something that if you don't start right away, you're behind the ball. And I should ask, I think I even got ahead of myself. Are, do you have a, a, what did you go? Cause you said, you mentioned college. Did you go for teaching? I did not. I went for theology and for faith formation catechesis so that I could help develop really great faith formation programs in the Catholic Church because I'm Roman Catholic. I'm, I'm getting, I just, I have so many questions yeah, for you. Them all, so yeah, sure, everything. about this topic. Did you always want children? Let's start there. I think innately I always wanted children. I remember playing with baby dolls. You know, I wasn't like a scared child growing up, but I never in my life anticipated to have seven kids I yeah I if you had told me that 13 years ago I probably would have laughed you out of a building thinking of having 13 kids but I did love being a camp counselor when I was in high school and in college so a mass number of five-year-olds or six-year-olds didn't scare me rather the fact that summer camps are ones where you take care of kids during the day and then they go home at night so motherhood is not that way they're always with you uh, <laughs> so no, yes, yes. 
I, I wanted kids. I did not know that we would have seven kiddos. And, you know, at the same time, I can't imagine not having any one of these kids. They are just so different and so unique. And yet we met, we like meld so well as a family together. Follow-up question. Sure. Did you always think, or did you ever think about your children's education? Did you always want to be a homeschool parent? I would say when we got to have our daughter at about two and a half, that's when we really started talking about what would it look like for her to go to public school or private school. I was a public school kid from K through 12th, whereas my husband went to parochial school during elementary, and then he went to public school for middle school and high school. So we had vastly different educational experiences from different Mm -hmm. times. And yet at the same time, when we looked at where we lived and what our goals were for our children academically and educationally, for our daughter who, as a firstborn, she was just very advanced with all of her learning curves, that it was something that we said, well, maybe we don't want to send her off to 3K, 4K. And by the time that we did the, in the state of Minnesota at the time, I don't know if they still do it or not, but they used to have these um, prepare for kindergarten testings. So you'd bring Mm, your show in and we went and had her like pre-tested and it turned out that she was above and beyond where everyone else was for her age limit. So they were, were telling us that she would probably have to go into some advanced little classes because she already knew how to read and she knew how to make write a sentence and things so at that point we just kind of thought for her own maybe we should maybe we should do homeschooling and see where it goes from there and then by our second kiddo we really loved what we had created for our first child and so we again sat down and thought about his academic goals and what were the educational goals that we were having for him and whether or not he would maybe even fit in I think was a big thing. Our second son or our second child is a boy and he has neurodiversity. So he is high functioning autistic. And so we thought about what programming could the school help with and where are areas that we felt we could find outside of the different school um, supports. So yeah, we took each kiddo and we have every year as to what are the educational goals that we have for them and what setting would help them the most. And in each situation so far, you've determined they would be best suited for homeschooling. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. They've they have even now that they've gotten a little older, we take them to the different schools as an open house day. So they got to have a shadow day at a parochial school and they liked it, but at the same time they said, you know, school's really different. They, they sit down a lot. They don't, they don't get out of the seats. And I'm like, that's true. You know, sometimes different teachers do different things. And so for our kiddos, especially now that they've gotten a little older, to be able to communicate with us what they like about education and what their hopes are, it makes more sense right now for us anyways to continue with homeschooling. You and I had a quick pre- podcast conversation and you were telling me that it's not just like you you know sit down and start homeschooling there's a bit of a a startup involved in making this decision and, and getting everything ready what is that like yeah I think for a lot of parents 
either before COVID or even now in the midst of uh, a post-COVID quarantine world, the, the thought of homeschooling can either terrify someone or it can make them so excited. It, it's like this weird mm-hmm. pendulum that swings for anyone who mm-hmm. thinks about homeschooling. I think one of the biggest startup challenges that I've faced and those in my in my co-op group and in my women's groups that I'm in that have done homeschooling or, or are currently homeschooling is starting up. The biggest changes, challenge is getting out of our head. We need to remember that it's like a, a soft or a gentle transition that what we're what our goals for home educating don't necessarily look like a classroom setting. So I don't have to sit at a desk with my child for eight hours necessarily, which is very typical in a school or classroom format. And teachers are fantastic. They will bring in toys and games. So it's not to knock typical education at all. I love public education. My aunt is a teacher. My husband's grandmother was an educator for 30 plus years. But I do see that a lot of times when when people are considering homeschooling, they worry about, well, I don't have a teaching degree, or I don't know everything, or where do I even start, or how mm-hmm. will it receive? So we get we get really stuck in our heads sometimes, and we have to remember that a homeschooling decision can be a gentle transition. It's not one where you look at your five-year-old and you say, this table is our space for the next eight hours. Um, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah, that's a really good point, because in my mind, I think I know what homeschooling looks like, but in the 10 minutes I've been talking to you, I think I'm very wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It can be, hold on, but it can be so beautifully different and creative depending on who you are and what your life circumstances are. One of my best friends has two kiddos. One is in sixth grade and one is in fourth. She's a single mom. She works a full-time job and she still homeschools. It, it doesn't have to be a 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. schooling houring. I work outside the home. I work 25 to 30 hours a week outside the home. And at the same time, I'm homeschooling six of my kiddos. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I have so many presumptions that you just blew out of the water. It It didn't even occur to me that you might also work outside the home. Yeah, yeah. So I am a youth minister. Well, I'm now a coordinator of discipleship. So I help people grow in their faith journeys. But I'm also a Catholic speaker. So I've been blessed to go to different states um, for churches that want to hear me share how to share a a gospel-based message. So homeschooling really works well for us because if I were to send my kiddos to school, they would get home if they went to, you know, just public school, if they were to come home at three o'clock in the afternoon, but I'm working in the afternoon from say one to 7 PM, I wouldn't get a lot of time with my kids. And so Mm -hmm. that helps as we're discerning and deciding what's best for our family and our kiddos at the time. I want to spend time with my kids. I love being with my kids. Not everyone loves being with their kids, but I totally get that (laughs) uh, too. But but I really like the little the little people that, you know, <laughs> I've created into this world. And so I want to be able to form formulate our life and our schedule that I can be with them. So yeah, classes can go on Saturdays or even Sunday evenings and stuff. It doesn't have to look 
like Monday through Friday, necessarily. We'll be back after a short break. Today's episode is sponsored by Strip. After several months of maternity leave, I am back to work, which means I'm also back to wearing makeup. While I do enjoy wearing makeup, I have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day. Until now, I've been using a new product I love called Strip. It does more than just remove your makeup, though it does do that well. It is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins, leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin. It's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that frankly, I just don't have time for. I've even shared it with family and friends and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun, bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash parently. Strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. I'm just thinking if I were... To homeschool. Are there, legal is not the right word, but are there certain milestones or like, do you still have to do state testing? I mean, are there, are there some guidelines that you must meet or is it truly you developing these individual plans for each of your kids? Sure. That's a great question. So I guess you're asking about the logistics. So every state has some sort of department of public instruction or of education. They they change the names depending on what state you're in. And so in the state that I live in, which is now Wisconsin, I have to, as a homeschooling parent, kind of register or acknowledge the state that we're homeschooling. I agree to 875 education hours a year. And then I have to share what grades my kiddos are in, but every state is a little different. One state may or may not require testing, like an end of year testing. Another state might say, no, we don't need testing. We just want to know what curriculum you're using. There are other states that don't even really um, ask for that information. They just want to know that you have kids that you're homeschooling and what grades those kiddos are in, kind of for census information. So I think the very first step for anyone who's kind of thinking about, well, you know, I'm thinking about homeschooling or I'm just curious, it would be to look online at your state's homeschooling laws and regulations to kind of find out what it is that you're doing. So for instance, for our family, we know in this state, we have to accumulate 875 hours of homeschooling education-based learning. And so we actually work about 20 Point five hours a week with homeschooling, recognizing that our homeschool is going to stretch through summer. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. We're okay with that as a family. So I think the very first step is probably looking at what it is that your state's regulations and laws are and making sure that you abide by them. But then when you start looking at curriculum and programming and what are those thresholds that education, like educationally your child should be at, 
there are scope and sequences that you can follow from the state of things that your kids need to learn. So in fourth grade, you need to learn about your state history, for instance. So my kiddos love going to the state capitol, but then we also utilize what is physically close to us. And we kind of piggyback field trips on our local historical museums or getting to sit down with historians and learn more about what our local community looked like 100 years ago and things. So there's definitely scope and sequence, which is awesome for each state. And then you can look at different programs, both nationally and online, or co-ops that you can join, which are groups of mothers or fathers that are homeschooling their kids that all come together to learn different classes. It's really cool. There's just so much support that I think a lot of people 20 years ago didn't have. And now, mm. you know, we can we can find so much online for support, but also we can find out what it is as parents that we need to make sure that our kids know for different yeah. subjects. That's really neat. One thing I was thinking about when you were just speaking, the when you talked about, you know, kind of the communities and other parents and other students who homeschool, I'm sure people ask you this question a lot, but how do your kids get socialization? Like, do you have to create these, these you know, pockets of so socialization with other children um, outside your home? Or, you know, how, how do you kind of create that balance between school and socialization? Because for a lot of kids, they're one of the same. Right. Yeah. I think that that's one of the biggest questions that as a homeschooling parent, I get is how come your kids seem so normal? How do they get socialized? <laughs> And I know it's not to be rude. Like, it's a great question. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, that's a really big question in the homeschool community is how, how do you socialize your kids? So I would say we seek out opportunities. I am a bilingual. I'm bilingual in Spanish. And so I threw it out there to a couple of homeschooling moms with kiddos around my age. And I said, hey, I would be happy to teach a Spanish class on this given day when I'm free and available, what do you think about us having a Spanish group? And so my house can be filled with about 15 kiddos on a given Monday afternoon who want to do Spanish lessons so that they can learn oh, different things. So it can be creative like that, but there are also incredible groups that you can find on social media. Um, Facebook field trip groups for your county for homeschoolers, or if you just think about some of the opportunities that are outside of school that kids can be socialized with, like scouting or sports. My kiddos love going to the YMCA for swim lessons with groups of kids, and they're like, this is my new friend. So I think Aww. that, yeah, I think that there's so many opportunities Yes, it can definitely be within normal school hours if that's what you're seeking. But then you can also look at off times too. Plus, I think a big thing that I love about that question is we assume that we have to socialize with people just our age. And that's because yeah. in, in public school, we are around kids that are literally our same age within, you know, 10 month span for so many years. Sure. 
But then when you get out into the world, when you become an adult, you recognize that friendships can be in completely different decades. You can get, mm. garnish so much wisdom from someone who might be 10 years younger than you or 15, 20 years older than you. And so mm -hmm. my kiddos growing up in homeschooling right now are recognizing that the neighbor across the street who's elderly, they will go and ask him about his childhood as they're helping him rake his leaves or do gardening or just learning about the area. So there's mm -hmm. an, a twist so of a cool. component of socialization can also be with getting to know how to interact, not just with kids their own age, but also with adults, which is mm -hmm. a really cool thing that they generally don't get all the time in a school-like atmosphere. That's a really cool point. I like that. I never, I never thought about that. As your kids start to get older, I, and you just told me, 12 or 13, what's your- 12. As your kids get older, their subjects are going to be more complex and, and complicated. Like I'm thinking back to high school. Yeah. I don't think I could do the math I did in high school. <laughs> you don't remember calculus? <laughs> <laughs> so how does that, does that intimidate you? I mean, what? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Here's the thing. I myself have learned to become a planner by default because I have a small army of people that follow me. But I also have to recognize that I cannot be planning out what five years will look like in the now because it could change. Mm. So every spring at about February, March, my husband and I sit down and we really start talking about where are the kids academically? Where is it that, you know, they're growing either light years ahead or maybe they're falling behind in areas and they need more one-on-one -on -one attention. And we recognize that homeschooling might not be forever for us. And that's okay. Mm. We're, we're not going to try to pre-plan the rest of our life right now, but we can think about what will the fall look like. And this past spring was in the midst of COVID where we really sat down and we were like, you know, that big magical yellow bus that comes and picks up kids that looks so tempting sometimes, you know, like <laughs> to send them off and to come and they'll come back. And, and it does, I mean, it seems really, very appealing at, at moments and at points that are stressful, sure. but at the same time, we recognize that we have to stay in the here and now. And when it comes to high school, maybe we'll look at virtual school. Maybe we'll look at, you know, a parochial high school in our area, or maybe it will be public school. Or who knows, maybe she might be so advanced out that once she gets to that point, she can test out, get a GED and start looking at community college. Who knows? But we're mm. not thought about it right now, because if that was the case, I would probably start restudying up on calc and trig <laughs> All of those things, and I don't have time for that right now. So, <laughs> I, I think I'm um, portraying or um, I, I, my insecurities onto you because I after after college I uh, served in AmeriCorps for a year, sure. and I tutored math for fourth through sixth graders, and. I would be lying if I said I didn't have to do a little bit of studying up on that. <laughs> sure, sure. That's really neat how you how you approach that. And I, I like 
I like that approach just in general in life. That's kind of a cool way to go about things. You can't, I mean, why plan for five years? You don't, you can't control it anyway. I mean, look at this year. How many of us bought planners for 2020 and ended up not using them for six months, you know? Um, Yeah, I just, uh, especially with home educating, even those ages that you're talking about, fourth through sixth grade, there are definitely times where I will look at the textbook and I'll think, you know, I'm not the strongest in that particular subject matter. So let's see if there are other resources online. And there are online programs that a homeschooling parent can utilize that they have something called teaching textbooks where homeschool parents can actually utilize a very well, well comprehensive program for math for a student in that year where it's like having tutoring online even. So yeah, in this age, there's no limit, I would say. So if a parent feels uncomfortable with just about anything, I wouldn't say you have to go digital or virtual route, but there are some really great resources out there for us. A big takeaway that I'm thinking about so far is homeschooling is very different today than it was a decade ago, than it was two decades ago, than it oh, was sure. probably five years ago. Oh, for sure. My I I grew up not knowing any homeschool families. So my thought process of what homeschooling looked like, honestly, was the Duggars. And I think they're, you know, that show that was on back when 10, 15 years ago, where it's like the long denim skirts. And I was like, all homeschool moms have long denim skirts. And I am not a denim skirt wearing mom. Like I like yoga pants. And like I really didn't want to offend you. So I wasn't going to bring it up, but that is how I pictured you. Oh yeah. No, I am like messy bun sweats or a yoga pair of pants and yeah i'm i just (laughs) yeah (laughs) we'll be back after a short break today's episode is sponsored by strip after several months of maternity leave i am back to work which means i'm also back to wearing makeup well i do enjoy wearing makeup i have never enjoyed the process of removing it at the end of the day until now i've been using a new product i love called strip it does more than just remove your makeup though it does do that well it is skincare that truly nourishes your face with nutrients and vitamins leaving behind noticeably healthier looking skin it's made up of clean ingredients and it doesn't have a zillion steps that frankly i just don't have time for I've even shared it with family and friends, and we all agree it leaves your skin feeling so soft and looking replenished. My favorite product is the Caviar Jelly Remover. It removes my makeup while hydrating with these fun, bursting nutrient bubbles. Support your favorite podcast with an awesome product. Check out Strip and use my discount by visiting stripyourmakeup.com forward slash Apparently, strip your makeup, not your skin. Now back to Parently with your host, Kelsey Higgins. Going back, you decide to homeschool. You jump into it. I mean, after all the initial startup and you're, you're trucking along here. Was it what you expected? Yeah. So I would say 
it was not what I expected because I learned a lot about myself in the first year and a half of homeschooling. Oh, interesting. For instance, I used Pinterest as a reference to find out what a homeschooling classroom should look like. <sighs> and they were <laughs> and it was pretty. <laughs> It was beautiful. And I was like, let's go into debt and like get oh, all of this stuff. And thankfully, my husband was like, pump the brakes. Um, Kim, let's be honest for a minute. And I just remember looking at him and I'm like, okay. And he goes, you are not a crafty mom. So why do you want to buy all these craft supplies? And I just remember looking and I'm like, well, because that's what all the other homeschool rooms have. You know, you have to have the dingles and the dangles and the froofy things. I mean, I don't even know, even to this day, starting year eight of homeschooling, what craft supplies I'm supposed to have for the kids. So I just go and purchase a whole bunch of stuff and say, go at it, you know? So, (laughs) so I learned a lot about myself for, for just that even it's that I, I don't need to compare myself and our homeschooling journey with others. I was worried that I'd have to teach my kids Latin. Why did I worry about that? Because the one homeschooling mom that I talked with beforehand spoke so eloquently about her kids learning this dead language. And I was like, I don't know that language. I'm Spanish. I can teach them that, but I don't know. I don't know Latin. So I think that was a really big surprising thing to me was that I didn't need to compare our journey with other people. And that included things like expectations for typical homeschooling hours. I'm not the biggest morning person. Mm. So our schooling doesn't start until 930 in the morning. Now, granted, we're all up. I'm barely awake at, say, oh, dark hundred, you know, 536 Mm -hmm. a.m. But I don't need to start classes at 730 or 8 o'clock. We can kind of taper it back some. So I think that was a really big key revelation to me in the first year was that I don't have to compare any anyone else's experiences to what our family's journey will look like. Very insightful. Yeah, that's that's very cool. Was there anything that felt like, oh yeah, I, I expected this. This is what I thought it would be like. Yeah, I expected tantrums and we totally got those. <laughs> like Wish you would have been wrong on that one. <laughs> right? I was like, reading is not going to go well with this little guy. And sure enough, it was, you know, like really a struggle for him, which meant as a mom, it was a struggle for me because as moms and dads, that's what we want so desperately for our kids is that they achieve something and they feel good about that achievement. Whereas if phonics wasn't getting across in this one particular way that I knew how to teach it, I'd have to look at somewhere else for mm. new resources and new ideas. Mm-hmm. So being flexible was a really great understanding going into homeschooling was that, yeah, let's not compare. Let's just be flexible with it and see where it goes. And I would say I knew the tantrums were coming and I didn't realize that his tantrum would also affect me in such a deep way where if he was tearing up, I was tearing up with him because oh. I didn't, I didn't want him to experience education. Like he was like, it was teeth pulling, yeah. you know? If I asked you, because I'm, I'm hearing a theme, flexibility, you know, don't, don't have 
rigid expectations. If I asked you for a typical day, day in the life, would you be able to give me an idea of that? Or is it so variable from day to day? Sure. So I would say that for each day, we do have a schedule in the sense of it's kind of like having uh, bumpers. Do you remember having bumpers when going bowling? Yes. Like in a bowling league or when you went bowling? Yep. It's like that. We have a schedule and it's very flexible in the sense of we know, say today, for instance, we knew that if it was in September, we would start class at 9.15 and we're going to have our different little sessions for each kiddo. You know, they have independent learning, but then they also have time with mom within the hour to make sure that I'm helping them. Mm-hmm. And so we'd go from like 9.15 to about noon. And then we're going to take an hour break because we need to have lunch. And we also, because we're all home in a good way, we can all do some sort of chore mm. to make sure that it doesn't look heinously crazy, i.e. like nine people actually live <laughs> because we do. <laughs> so like that would be from until one o'clock. And then from one until two, we'll try to do another education-based thing. This might be partner reading, or it might be helping with kind of buddy activities within that so that it reinforces to the older ones a learning trait that they're continuing to carry on. And for the little ones, they're really just learning their listening skills. Mm. They may not up on much, but they get to be with big brother, big sister. Yeah. And then I'd go to work from about two until about 435. Um, I'll get home. We'll start getting dinner ready and whatnot. And then when my husband gets home, we'll all eat together. And then from about seven to eight 15 at night, we're actually going to do a little bit more schooling because thankfully I have a great husband who's super supportive and on board with homeschooling. So he's like, you're not, it's not a, you're the teacher and I'm a principal. He's like, no, we're both teachers Mm -hmm. in this. So how can I share my love of education with our kids? Cool. Which is fantastic. So I would say that's like a typical Monday. And then just depending on the day, we do have some sort of schedule, but it's like bumpers. You know, if all of a sudden something happens and we need to veer off like an orthodontic appointment in the middle of the day, that's okay. We can always pick back up say on a Saturday morning or even on a Sunday, if we absolutely needed to. Does your husband work outside of the home? He does. He is a director of accounting for a large national not-for-profit. Okay. And does he work typical hours? He does. Yeah. So we say goodbye to him at about like 730 in the morning and he'll get home about 530, 545 in the evening. Oh, that's kind of cool. I like the the idea of him, you know, working hard to engage in the education too. That's neat. Now that you're a pro and you are homeschooling all of them, what are some of the biggest challenges that you've come across in the thick of things? So I think we, we kind of touched on tantrums? Is that as bad as it gets? I mean, yeah, I think one of the things that I've seen in the thick of things is finding local resources sometimes to be challenging if you're trying to work alongside a school. So I have two kiddos who are considered uh, neurodiverse. They are on the autism spectrum, so on the higher end. And so trying to find if there are ways for them to connect with the school, depending on what county Um, you live in, like 
Wisconsin's a little bit different than Minnesota as to what's available and accessible for us. Hmm. So I think that was like a zinger that I had to learn when we moved physically um, to a new state to find out, okay, what are the things that we can utilize versus things that we need to go and seek out? Mm. It might not be with the school district. We might have to find a different agency or a different organization to help us in certain areas. Sure. So I, yeah, I would say a lot of it has to do with the prompting of your child and what are their needs and what are their hopes or goals for education. I would say another thing uh, for me that was challenging with homeschool was being able to keep my kids captive on snow days. I know that sounds really silly if you live in a part of the country that does not have snow days because I never grew up with them in the South. Um, But here are sometimes our neighbors will come over and knock on the door on a snow day, but we're still in class. So it's not something that my kids experience. They don't sit there looking at the TV screen, waiting to see if their school district is not having school the next day. My kids are like, oh, no, still have class. No big deal. Meanwhile, I have like eight different kids from around the neighborhood trying to play with my kiddos those days. Oh, that's really, (laughs) really interesting. Of course, they're just watching them all tromp through the snow outside. Right, right. So that was a fun zinger because I never experienced that growing up to be sitting there waiting for a snow day to happen. And yet when homeschooling, you don't think about that. So to have someone pop up on a random Thursday after, you know, after lunch to say, hey, I'm ready to play. And I'm like, I why aren't you in school? Yeah. Oh, that's (laughs) funny. That is really funny. I'm sorry you didn't get to experience that as a child, Kim. There is nothing more exciting than sitting there in front of the TV and seeing your school scroll across the screen. Right. I did get to experience it in college when I learned how to freeze in Minnesota. (laughs) I think I, I will never forget just seeing snow fall, like huge clumps of snow falling down from the sky and I was in a gender class and everyone else looked at me because they were all from the Midwest area and I'm just freaking out that there's snow outside they're like oh yeah you're not from around here <laughs> just, no I'm not I'm sorry oh that is <laughs> let me put on a parka now <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the biggest rewards of being a homeschool parent and a homeschool family I love getting to know my kiddos in such a unique perspective to see their little personalities and their interests grow and not only grow, but really they have an ability within our schooling to say, mom, I'm really interested in learning how to cook. Like my oldest daughter at the age of six was like, I want to learn how to cook and bake. Kelsey, I am not a baker, nor do I cook, okay? I married my husband because he could feed me or else I'd live off of frozen pizzas. So when my girl told me she wanted to learn how to cook, I was like, well, okay, let's look for like some kitchen chemistry sets, you know, for learning what's happening with the baking and whatnot. Cool. And so she has this beautiful joy and love, even to this day, of baking things and going and giving them to neighbors or to those that she loves and here she is at 12 making her own little business of cooking things and making videos for her YouTube or Facebook or you know it's just so cool to be able to see my kids grow in their interests yeah and then to be able to really take off with that yeah and be able to invest in it that's really cool right 
it's fantastic. I also love that in homeschooling, we can make just about anything into a teachable moment. And we can find creative means to do that. Field trips can be super diverse. We can have a whole component on service. So serving other people, because we want our kids to become these very aware citizens of different groups of people and how it is that we can help. And we not just help because we can, but rather we should. We should be willing to help our community mm-hmm. regardless of our time or our abilities. This should be something that we carve out into our life. Mm-hmm. So I love being able to make just about anything into a teachable moment for my kiddos. And I love seeing how they interact with other people when they can say, yes, ma'am. And yes, sir. And I'm like, they can work at Chick-fil-A one day. If anything else, <laughs> they'll be great. You know? <laughs> but I, I didn't grow up with a family dynamic that was super close. But to see my own kids grow up super close and wanting to invite others into that, for them to see someone at the park that's just playing alone and my kids immediately say, hey, come play with us. Mm. I love seeing how they're growing to become very responsible little people. I look forward to seeing what the next stage looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is cool. That's really cool. Is there... Is there any piece of their their needs or their education or even your needs that aren't being met in in how you've structured your your family and your lifestyle? Great question. I think my husband and I really try to keep each other in check to make sure a for self-care that we're able to feel that we're in a good place. Cause if we don't feel that we're in a good place, how is that supposed to be respondent to how we're being and teaching with our children? Amen. And then on top of that, once we make sure that that's covered, so we each have it in our calendar every week to make sure a, we have our own time and B we have time together as a mm-hmm. couple mm-hmm. so that our marriage can be strong. Cause that's really the, for, the foundation of everything. Mm-hmm. And then when we start looking at our kids, each one of them has a monthly date night where they know that they get to go with either one or both parents to go and do something. And it can be small. It can be, let's go get ice cream at McDonald's. Mm. And then we'll talk with them about where they're at with just, just the gambit of formation. So their human formation, their spiritual formation, their academic formation, maybe they're struggling with reading. So maybe that date night will be one where we go and get treats and then we make a little picnic where we're going to work a little more harder on those spelling words or on that comprehensiveness Mm. of what they're reading itself. So I love that we have made it such a whole part of our family that it's not merely, okay, you're going, you're going to say a school and then you have homework and then we're going to be the last resort. Instead, we really are the primary and we're going to continue to give them as much support as they need. Mm. And they won't feel like they're just one of many. Yeah. I I don't want kiddos to feel like, oh, I'm just one of seven. No, each of them knows that they're loved and cared for and mom and dad are going to continue to encourage them to grow in whatever it is that their gifts and talents are. What a cool opportunity to just customize each of their education and experience to them. That's really neat. It truly is. It truly is. To see my kids some, sometimes we struggle. I mean, there are seasons, you know, just like in anyone's life of struggling, but then also thriving. Um, to see my daughter be invited 
to go and give her little cupcakes um, story about winning all these prizes from different cupcake competitions. And then she was on the news sharing, oh, here's how you make my award-winning cupcake. And I'm like, I'm not a momager. Like, I never want to be a mom manager yeah. at all. Yeah. Rather, this was something that she was invited into. It was during the school hours of what a regular student would be at. And here she is at a, at a studio giving this whole big spiel about, here's my award-winning cupcakes, and I hope you enjoy them. And she was only, what, 10 years old. That's awesome. Up there and speaking. So it's so cool to see each of my kids being able to find something and really be able to focus in on what it is that they want to learn. And sometimes they learn that they don't really like that topic or that subject. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. We went through years about being paleontologists and loving dinosaurs. And then my son was like, just kidding. I really don't like dirt in my hands. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> we know all about the anatomy of a Tyrannosaurus Rex, but you know what? That's okay. That's good. <laughs> so, so yeah, I love customized things. And I really think that in any school formation, whether it's public or private, really the generation of education right now is trying to tailor to individualized learning programs. Mm -hmm. What is it that your child is seeking or is needing? And so whether they're in a class of 30 at a school or, you know, their own individual classes of family, it's just really neat to see them be able to thrive. What would you tell a parent or parents who are considering homeschooling their kids either permanently or when I say permanently, I mean for the year sure. <laughs> or temporarily. <laughs> I, with, given the situation that we're in, I, I know of parents who are weighing this decision of, do I try to homeschool? Do I send them to public school? And I'm sure it's very different concept to do it temporarily but what what advice would you give that is a great question I've had several neighbors and friends ask me that exact thing you know how do I know if I'm fit for homeschooling is how they kind of share it and I say don't overthink it you have all the abilities and gifts to be able to teach your kiddo because you know your kiddo unlike anyone else mm. you know what he or she likes, what sets them off, what their interests are. And while teachers are incredible and they will try to learn that for all 20 to 30 of their students in a classroom, as a parent, we know our kids' hearts and inside and out. So don't overthink it. Don't, don't, don't shoot yourself down. You can do it. There are incredible programs. You don't have to sit down and create your own curriculum. There are so many great programs whether it's a religious based or a secular based, you know, it's, there's so many resources that weren't there so many years ago. Mm -hmm. So just start and remember, it doesn't have to be forever. You can just take this as a season and that's okay. And that's great. You didn't fail. If you send your kids back to school or start something different, you're just on a journey and you're figuring it out as you go along. There is no wrong option. I, I love the concept of seasons. I first heard that with a, in a podcast interview I did several months ago, 
And the guest was talking about how she and her husband go through seasons in, in their marriage. And I had, sure. I had never thought about that before. But And then I hear you using that, um, you know, similar but different. I, it just, I really like that concept. That's, I'm, I'm going to have to use that one in my, in my life moving forward. I think it helps for sure. Just to remember that things are temporary. Yeah. You know, if anything, the quarantine and COVID life has taught us that is that it can be on a calendar, but it can also be temporary. And that's okay. (laughs) That's the truth. (laughs) Any final thoughts? Anything I didn't ask you? Oh, I, can I give like just three resources for anyone who's kind of thinking about it? Great idea. Okay. I enjoy reading. So here are three books that I think are so fantastic for if you're thinking about homeschooling or if you have started the process, whether it's homeschooling as a season or like you're down for it for the count for forever, who knows? But one of my favorite books to start out with is called Five Steps to Successful Homeschooling from Pamela Patnoy. And she is fantastic because she talks all about what home education looks like, what it looks like to succeed, how it's okay when you're establishing your mission and the value of reading. It's just a great book and it's a super fast, easy read. So that would be a great starter book. Okay. And then the other two books that I've really enjoyed are Teaching from Rest from Sarah McKenzie. And she talks about a homeschooling's guide to unshakable peace. And it is such a great book. For those who are trying to figure out, like, how am I going to do this and not feel overwhelmed? Mm -hmm. How do I make sure that I, as a parent, am being taken care of first and foremost Mm. so that everything else can be the overflow of that? So I appreciate that book. And then the third book that I just got during COVID, and I loved it so much I could not put it down, is Homeschool Bravely from Jamie Erickson. And she is fantastic. She taught elementary school before she became a mother. And then when she, when her first child turned five, she had made the decision that she wanted to homeschool her. Oh. And so she talks all about how do you juggle school with parenting with toddlers at home? You know, you don't want your three-year-old to be running and escaping around the house while you're trying to teach basic addition and subtraction to your kindergartner, right? Right. Uh, But it also talks about how to teach that struggling learner and really how to accept our own limitations at times. So three great books that I appreciate. And I think if, if there are parents that are listening that are considering homeschooling and what it could look like, I am a firm believer in this is not a journey that we do on our own. Mm -hmm. So to find your own group of support whether it's via social media, you can look on Facebook. They have so many great groups. Just look for your area of homeschooling, so your county plus homeschooling, or just Google it, and then you'll be able to find some great resources of where to start to homeschool. And it's okay to explore for a little bit before making any firm decision. That's that's what a good researcher does, mm-hmm. right? They want to make sure that they have all the information before they make that decision. But it it shouldn't feel overwhelming. And I know that it's a big decision, but you should have a a sense of peace for making the decision to to homeschool. Mm -hmm. And when when is your book coming out, Kim? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I I barely have time to sleep. So... (laughs) But but yeah, if people want to connect with me, they can go on Instagram. My handle is at mommygladiator. 
and oh, I fun. love sharing our life. So yeah, I battled diapers and bottles and pre pre algebra right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I I learned a ton, and you just broke all of my presumptions and stereotypes that I had in my head. And I think that this was really, really informative. And I am very thankful for your time. Thank you, Kim. Thank you so much for inviting me on this awesome podcast. I am so blessed and lucky that you invited me. So thank you. Absolutely. Well, we'll have to have you on when the the kids are older to see where you're at and where they're at. (laughs) Sure. Anytime. (laughs) And to all of our listeners, thank you for joining. I invite you to tune in again next week for another insightful conversation. And if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple. Thanks. And we'll see you next time.